0: Welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Lucas Baseball. I'm Lou Landers, joined here by Lucas Beery. Listening to our show anytime on demand at our affiliate over at Baseball365 on Facebook. You can find our shows at iLogic Media, Fantasy Sports, Blooper, and of course, Sports Crew Radio Network via iTunes or Spotify. Check out, subscribe to our Lucas Baseball Facebook page as well. Last week, we discussed key trades and signings from Major League Baseball. Didn't get to all of them, so here we go. Part 2. We'll also be answering questions posted on the Baseball 365 Facebook page towards the end of the show. So if you submitted a question or just want to hear the answer to those questions, stick around. We promise we won't disappoint. But Lucas, bringing you on in here. And I think we need to start with the Cardinals trade of Nolan Arenado.
1: Absolutely. This is a trade that shocked the world, really. Uh, People have been worried about Coors players leaving uh, Colorado for many, many years now, and it finally came in the form of something of a salary dump. Uh, Seeing this is is not fun. As a Cubs fan and as a baseball fan, it's almost even worse since uh, this is just kind of something you'll be seeing more often.
0: It's funny to me, though, because not only did they trade away a Premier player a silver slugger a perennial mvp candidate a gold glove candidate just a tremendous player overall but they Mm -hmm. paid 50 million dollars to do it (laughs) and then didn't even get back a top 100 prospect i mean it's a garbage trade in my opinion it's one of those trades that have happened in like your dynasty league Mm -hmm. or your like just even just a redraft league a lot of people would be up in arms and you'd probably hear the word collusion thrown around
1: yeah, I guess the reason that they got so little is because the teams that actually do want to win, such as the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Phillies, to an extent, they kind of have their financials tied up, as well as the Yankees with Stanton's big contract. So maybe it's just uh, a lot of the other teams didn't want to go deep into the luxury tax and just take on the money, even though the cost was uh, very, very little return. Yeah, they just should have held on to him, probably. But
0: yep. back to your comment about Coors Field. Of course, it's a reasonable thing to expect maybe some regression, but I don't think it's going to be as drastic as others might think. I think DJ LeMay, who's a great example, of course, they're different hitters, but there mm-hmm. is a Coors hangover effect, and it does affect players going from that altitude than going on the road and playing. I think Nolan Arenado is going to be just fine because he's not going to have to deal with the Coors hangover. Uh, I don't think the power numbers are going to be affected at all. Maybe a few less hits overall mm-hmm. uh, because Coors is a big ballpark, but I'm not concerned at all. This is a true superstar caliber player that I think will be great anywhere and everywhere.
1: I agree. I It'll be interesting to see where the ADP kind of slides after we get a big sample size of drafts. But in my opinion, if you're hoping for, you know 275 plus batting average and you know 32 plus homers and uh, I don't know if he'll be able to quite the other issue is that he probably won't be able to repeat the 100 runs 100 ribbies like he's always done but you know he was going in the fourth round and that's where he'll probably go if not cheaper in some drafts so you only need 90 plus there to be in good shape he's got such a high floor he's one of the hardest workers in the game. And like you said, he's one of the most talented players too. He's going to turn 30 in April. So I don't really have too much worries for Nolan Arenado, but his stock definitely takes a bit of somewhat of a hit.
0: I think there's a lot of good seasons left for Nolan Arenado, So, Yesterday, maybe it was two days ago, it seemed like uh, the Mets might have had a deal with Trevor Bauer if you want to believe Bob the Slob Nightingale. I don't think at this point people believe much of what he says anymore, and again, he was dead wrong. Because today, (laughs) Friday afternoon, I guess people will be listening Saturday, but Friday afternoon, the Los Angeles Dodgers swoop in and sign Trevor Bauer paying him, I believe, something like $40 million for 2021 and like forty five for 2022. But overall, it's what, like three years, $100 million? I might have some of those figures wrong, but Bauer to the Dodgers. I mean, the rich keep getting richer. This team was already so stacked. Uh, going back to Southern California, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. I had the Dodgers or the Angels signing him when the offseason began. And you know what? Even if Trevor Bauer is average he will still rack up the strikeouts. If you're talking from a fancy standpoint, that ballpark in LA is a good place for him to pitch. He's going to have tons of run support. I think it's an amazing situation for him. I think it's a great signing for the Dodgers who clearly have the money to do it. And well done, go out there and say, well, San Diego, as much as you've liked to make moves, we're still the world champs. We're still the defending champions in the division. And we just added Trevor Bauer to boot.
1: Yeah, this was uh. It's a great move for Bowers fantasy owners and for Bauer himself, but for the rest of the league and the Mets really specifically as well as the Angels, it's tough to see uh, him, you know, leave the, you know, leave uh, potentially their situation. The Dodgers in my opinion would have had a great chance at making the NLCS if not the World Series without Bauer. You add him to that team, their chances are only much, much greater. You factor in the idea that the Mets or the Angels are missing out on Bauer. The Dodgers are playing keep away with the best pitching, the best pitcher on the market. So it was, uh, it stings pretty hard for Mets fans today.
0: I think it does. I think it also stings a little bit for the Padres, who, as excited as they are about all the moves they've made, they already were facing an uphill battle still against the loaded Dodgers team, and they just got. Even better. So, yeah, uh, big time move by the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're not messing around. How about the Washington Nationals? They won the World Series two years ago, had a really tough season last year. I mean, everyone had a tough season last year, but uh, in retrospect, the Braves were great. The Phillies still good. The Mets improved. Nats want to be in that conversation. So they. Trade for Josh Bell from the Pirates. They signed Kyle Schwarber. They signed John Lester. They signed Brad Hand. I like the move for Brad Hand. Whether he closes or not, yet to be determined, but he's been one of the most consistent relief pitchers in over the last five-plus years, whether it be with San Diego or with Cleveland. Lester, I'm not sure how much he has left in the tank, but mm-hmm. he can give you some quality innings. Schwarber, obviously terrible defensively, but adds some thump to that lineup for the Nationals, and then with Josh Bell. I mean, he can't be close to as bad as he was a year ago. He's going from his protection being Colin Moran to Juan Soto. I mean, <laughs> just that in of itself should be enough to give him a boost, but I think Josh Bell's a much better player than what we saw last year. Maybe not to the level we saw two years ago, but I think this is going to be a very good move for him and the Nationals, and I like all four of these moves, really.
1: Absolutely agree. For a team that, uh, has three aging pitchers and is going to have to pay Juan Soto a gargantuan contract relatively shortly. Uh, they had to go for it now because otherwise they'd be wasting those players' primes. With Josh Bell, this is a guy that the NFBC community has been reacting to, jumping him up boards. I know he's a guy that you've been high on and, and, and gone after in drafts as well. Uh, his ADP uh, over the past two weeks. Uh, Lucas, for NF- you know what?
0: The day of that trade, when that was announced, I happened to take him in one of our draft holds. He wasn't even on my radar. And then <laughs> pick, I think, in the 150 range, maybe a little before, maybe a little after. I needed a first baseman. And obviously, I got a little trigger happy because of like, the news, like a lot of people can do. But I think he'll pay off in that range, especially at a position that, as we both know, after the top four or five guys, it really starts to thin out.
1: Agreed, and I was kind of hitting up to a point where the NFBC guys they have him pegged at 155 ADP. He's gone as high as 103 overall, kind of salty, but theoretically could pay that off if he can boost into the 30 homer range with a uh, helpful batting average closer to 270. I mean, he's not going to go wild or anything, but you know, if you can get. Uh two sixty and you know thirty bombs I mean, if you look at the bottom dregs of the first base area, I mean it's possible a Nate Low or Nevin White could do that, but I don't think the odds are that great compared to Bell, who's going at a relatively reasonable one fifty five
0: I mean, chances are he's probably going to hit between Soto and Schwarber to split up those lefties because Bell's a switch hitter, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, Turner obviously hitting in front of them, so there's going to be guys on base for him to drive in, and he's going to get pitches to hit because as much as Kyle Schwarber is kind of an all-or-nothing guy, he's still an imposing threat at the dish, especially against right-handed pitching. So I just think the situation overall is better for him, and um, I think that you can still probably buy kind of low because of how
1: bad last season was. And with Schwarber, I'll be real brief on him because he's kind of plain Jane, but, you know, he's just a big power hitter who's going to hit, you know, 235 hopefully above that mark and won't absolutely crush you like a Chris Davis or a Gallo some seasons and he'll be, he'll be, you know, 30 plus homers. Uh, Starlin Castro is the guy that I'm bumping up slightly based on the fact that the lineup's going to be a little bit more premium, uh, with hit with him hitting, uh, relatively closer to the top, probably in the five or even six hole, uh, carries, uh, that second base eligibility, which is a tough position to fill. So I like Castro after the dust has settled with these moves.
0: That's not a bad, um, take at all i mean i got to see castro with the yanks you saw him with the cubs still an Mm -hmm. underrated guy um you know he's still a pretty good hitter i think had some injury issues last year um which i think kind of killed some of the value for him but i'm with you there keeping it in the nl east philadelphia phillies i mean obviously it's great that they brought back real muto and Didi gregorius but their only real improvement has been the signing of Archie Bradley. I mean, sure, they brought back important pieces, but are they really any better than they were last year? I'm not so sure.
1: Probably not. Um, I want to be optimistic with the Phillies uh, just because i'm I, I do like Harper kind of come around on him being a very boisterous player, but you know, I think that it's kind of swung too far, and I, I do like Harper. I'd like to see him do well. Um, You get a full season of bomb. You bring real Muto back when you were going kind of from a Ferrari with him. And if they would have had to bring in Andrew Nizer, that's kind of like a beat up Ford Pinto kind of a move. So at least they didn't lose real Muto. That's the big deal. And they were able to get a few dart throw SPs with uh, Matt Moore and and Chase Anderson. So I know nobody's really excited to hear those names, but it's possible they could squeeze a bit of real life value.
0: Yeah, they might get something.
1: Yeah, they might. It's like I said, the names are not that great, but Moore did well uh, in Japan last year, and Chase Anderson is volume, He's so serviceable. Yeah, the the bullpen they improved a little bit. There was nowhere to go but up, being one of the worst bullpens I can remember. So they're going to need a lot of uh, a lot of work from the top three guys, Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin, to have a chance. And even then, the bullpen might just cook this team because it's it's bad.
0: Yeah, and one more note on bringing back Real Muto. Everything you said is true, but imagine how much more it would sting if they didn't bring him back, and then exactly. they see their divisional rivals with the Marlins having Alfaro and Sixto
1: Sanchez. That's true. And, you know, the contract is only five years. I know for a catcher it's a little scary, but I believe it's five years, 115000000 million. You're
0: hoping for three amazing years.
1: Yeah. It was a good deal for both sides. I think that he got plenty of money, and I don't think it's going to hurt this team too dramatically as long as he's really good for, like you said, the first couple of years. We'll see what happens at the end. might not work out, but it'll pay for it in the beginning, like you said.
0: Well, how about the Boston Red Sox? I
1: mean, obviously, I'm a little
0: biased as a Yankee fan. I don't like the Red Sox. But I give them credit typically when they um, do something well. But, I mean, Garrett Richards – Kiki Hernandez. I like Kiki Hernandez as a player, especially a real-life player. I think he's a great role player, but I think he's a great role player on a championship-caliber team. I'm not sure what he's going to do in Boston beyond block younger players from getting playing time, which is just frustrating if you're a fantasy (laughs) owner of those guys. And then with Garrett Richards, I mean, he's been on the injured list more than he's pitched in the last decade, I feel. Like what, like, so you're bringing in another injury prone guy, like an Evaldi. Now that Chris Sale is injured, who knows what's going on with Erod. I mean, at least go out there and get a scrub that can give you 150 innings. Don't go out there and get Garrett Richards and maybe get 35 good innings. And probably that's it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is not as fun to talk about. Um I guess if, if Richards were to somehow figure out a way to stay healthy, which plenty of pitchers have into their early 30s and mid-30s, I mean, it's not impossible, but this is a guy that's, since 2016, pitched 34, 27, 76, 8, and in 51 innings the past five years, so obviously kind of speaks for itself. His performance has been has been better than a lot of those guys we mentioned on the Phillies as far as Anderson and Matt Moore, but. It's uh, still there's still a bit of questions and with Kiki Hernandez, like you said, he is better when he's just you know crushing lefties and getting the spot start, moving all over the diamond against uh, certain righties in a full time role. Yes, he he probably will be a little bit exposed, but for a fantasy perspective, you know, if you're desperate for you know a dart, he will play. He does carry dual eligibility, and I think whenever you know, their big prospect that they got back for Mookie Betts, Jeter Downs, is ready to take over second base. The beauty is is that they can bounce Kike around wherever they need to. That's the greatness of his role.
0: Yeah, and he'll be a solid player, specifically in those draft-mold mm-hmm. type of leagues, uh, because you know he'll get some playing time. He's got multiple position eligibility. So he'll be helpful in fantasy for sure. I just, from... I just don't understand why the Red Sox did it. I guess I just I don't like the idea of them blocking players potentially and uh, good potentially young players. Have, but it's I not have, the Hernandez deal I care about as much. I just I just don't get Garrett Richards at all.
1: Yeah, I, I have heard with Kiki that the reason he signed in Boston is because I've, and this is all hearsay, but I've heard that they promised him full-time ABs, and he wanted to have that opportunity for the first time in his career to do that. And I think whenever a guy like Renfro or, um, you know, if they were to move a Benintendi, injuries will hit. I think they will technically have a chance to give him a shot in some spot or another. So if Downs is raking, they can definitely find somewhere to put Kiki and kind of keep him in the lineup.
0: Yeah, and they might be trading
1: um, a player or two at some
0: point. Something we'll get to later on from our Baseball 365 questions. Moving along to the Chicago Cubs. Signing Jock Peterson. This is basically Kyle Schwarber, but a guy who can actually play some defense.
1: No? Yeah, I think so. Um I think that they are going to give him a shot against lefties for the first time in his career for a while. I think he played against lefties a bit in 2015, but he's really a platoon guy. The Cubs really don't have a lot of choices outside of him. I mean, I don't see him putting in, you know, a Philip Irvin every time a lefty uh, is coming up. So I think that Peterson's going to no, get his I chance. I
0: feel like he can still hit for power regardless.
1: Yeah, I I think that he'll at least get a shot. So I will say, though, that in fantasy, uh, you're going to want to keep an eye out. If they are facing a slew of lefties, you might want to pull him out of there because he could just crush your batting average and get some really low counting stats.
0: He might be a really interesting
1: DFS guy based on
0: matchups, though, depending on, of course, what his price is at. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's had a career where he's mashed against righties for Mm -hmm. quite a bit of time. So um, I think he's definitely interesting. I think he's also interesting in daily lineup moves from a dynasty or just a season-long fantasy standpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't love the idea of having him on my team um, in a weekly lineup because he might only play three or four times a week, potentially. Um, Although although we both agree that he probably should get more playing time, we don't really know how that's going to play out, at least not yet.
1: What do you think about this Cubs lineup? I'm a Cubs fan, and I have some mixed feelings, but I want to get your opinion before we move on. I mean, I think it's okay.
0: I Mm -hmm. mean, Rizzo has potential to be great, as does Chris Bryant, as does Baez, as does Wilson Contreras. Hayward's not a bad hitter. Peterson has power. I like Nico Horner as a good young player. I mean, the potential is there, but the potential doesn't mean and doesn't translate to success
1: hmm. Yeah, it was frustrating to watch them last year. They were a very low scoring offense and they have talent, but there was for whatever reason, it didn't come together. But I'm looking at it and, you know, I'm not going all all in on them or anything by any means. That's not really that smart. But at the at the price, there's some values in here that I like on the lineup.
0: I've liked Chris Bryant in the drafts that I've been doing. Um, I think he could certainly bounce back, and he's going at really good value. So that's definitely one Cub I um, am interested in owning for sure. Minnesota Twins, re-signed Nelson Cruz, big move, of course. Um, His bat has not skipped a beat. Age is like a beautiful, fine wine. And Simmons, (laughs) decent hitter, great defender. Jay hap I mean, he's... An innings eater. And he might have more success in Minnesota and in the AL Central than he did in New York and in the AL East. I think Hap as a 4 or 5 starter, not terrible. Um, also, Alex Colomay. Not sure he's going to be the closer. I think that b- job still belongs to Rogers, but a nice piece nonetheless. Um, not a guy that you love in fantasy unless he's getting saves because mm-hmm. the strikeout numbers aren't great. But if he's getting saves, obviously valuable. Maybe he gets... 12 saves maybe rogers gets 18 saves and maybe someone else picks up a few um not a bad move though
1: yeah this team has been busy that's for sure they kind of like that team like you said in dynasty league that they're they're just making the small little fringe moves and you see each one you're like "Eh, okay whatever but then you look at the end like a few weeks after you've looked at their team and they've made a bunch of these trades and that kind of adds up so you know they've they've gotten their defense bolstered quite a bit uh, by adding Simmons, one of the better defensive shortstops, although he is aging a little bit. Obviously brought back the boomstick and Cruz for only a one-year contract so they can uh, have him lengthen the lineup extensively. Jay Happ is a move that you know a lot of people will be like, who cares? But he's pretty good and in a real-life point of view, and he's going to pitch, and he's not really had many injury issues. Um, interestingly, though, the bullpen, I, uh, I just finished up an NFBC draft, and unfortunately, I had Taylor Rogers as my closer one. Got him in the mid-130s, so that kind of stings when you see Alex Colome go there. They also were able to pick up a lot of bullpen guys, too. They got uh, Sean Anderson, uh, I believe, yesterday from the San Francisco Giants, as well as Hansel Robles. Um, and they're kind of just making these little fringe moves and maybe one or two of them will be okay. Yeah,
0: it's possible. They did lose Trevor May though. So they yeah, did true. they did need to certainly bring somebody in. Uh, call May is no Trevor May at this point, but he is, I guess a cheaper replacement at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm okay with that. I want to get to these Baseball 365 Facebook questions. Richard Daniels wrote, how do you evaluate a team that is so beyond convention like the Tampa Bay Rays? And obviously trying to figure out their platoon situations could be a bit of a pain from a fantasy standpoint. But I think they've proven that you just got to trust in their process because everything they seem to do with player development has been fantastic um they seem to strike gold with guys that are castaways from other teams um or they find diamonds in the rough they're just they just their analytics and mm-hmm. the development i think kevin cash is a great manager um so i am besides the fact that i'm a yankees fan i'm pro tampa bay rays
1: yeah i think you nailed it right there i mean from a fantasy perspective uh I don't want any of their players, honestly, except for a handful of very specific players, such as Randy Rosa Reyna. Uh, and there's no guarantees he plays full time. Yeah, and I mean, we're not game. talking,
0: we're not necessarily talking about um, where they're going in drafts, mm-hmm. but obviously Rosa Arena is someone that's interesting. Low or Lau is someone that's interesting. A Meadows is someone that's interesting. Um, but I'm not sure I'm paying any of their prices.
1: That's fair, and certainly we'll, we'll acknowledge Rose Arena's price is, is pretty ridiculously high, but I love this skill set, uh, knowing that there's no guarantees. It was a teeny sample, but I liked what I saw, and I liked the payoff of the power speed that early. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I'm not even, I've had an opportunity to get Meadows in the 90s, 90 overall, and I passed because I am worried that not only is the speed dwindling as he reaches his mid-20s, but they could easily platoon him. And Lau, I don't know, I don't necessarily know that Lau is going to get platoon, but I've had an opportunity to draft him and passed over. Same with uh, Margot and uh, Wendell as well. The only guys that I actually do like are the really cheap players that you can get in the draft and hold that will play occasionally, such as Choi and Yoshisutsugo and Yandy Diaz for really cheap. Outside of that, I'm fading most of their hitters, except a couple names I said.
0: I feel you. Uh, Timothy Scott Weber asked, except for Al Glacius, any of the teams that we've talked about, um, by the way, when he asked this question, we had not had the Dodgers on the docket. Um, so minus the Dodgers, do any of the teams we've talked about have a closer that we can count on to a draft? Again, that was Timothy Scott Weber. Uh, I'm going to say that Rogers. Taylor Rodgers still has a pretty safe job. I'm not saying he's going to get 30 or 35 saves like an elite closer, but I think Mm -hmm. you're still going to get close to 20 from him. Um, I also would say that uh, Brad Hand is going to get his fair opportunity. He may not be the closer, but I think he's certainly going to get his chances to get saves as well. A guy that I haven't had a draft since he's signed with the Nationals, but now I'll look into him.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Um, I hope you're right on Rogers. I'm a little worried, but that's probably because I own him and I'm just scared. <laughs> but uh, it's tougher than ever before. I'll throw a few more names that I think have a, have a decent bit of security, but it's just been tougher than ever, as Tim knows. Um, Kimbrell, I think, is going to get the first handful of cracks at it, and I like him. Uh, he's not incredibly expensive but he does cost a real pick um kind of flying through the rest of these here obviously i think you mentioned Deraldus chapman he's ingrained well he's uh, not
0: he's not on were these this is specifically about the teams we're talking about tonight so uh, cardinals uh nationals phillies red Sox, cubs twins
1: yeah then i think you nailed it with hand and That's kind of it for me. And Rodgers. Yeah,
0: well, there is another one, but I was saving it because Dennis Timko asks, who is the closer in Philly? I think it should be Archie Bradley. I don't see why you sign Archie Bradley if you don't give him an opportunity to close. He's probably the best reliever that you have. I know he's had a lot of success as a setup man or even in the seventh inning. But to me, he's the one guy in that bullpen right now that I feel pretty comfortable with maybe getting seven out of 10 saves. If he gets 10 opportunities, at least converting seven of them.
1: I agree. I think he's definitely better than Neris. Uh, He had that kind of tough 2019 that's in a lot of people's minds, but outside of that year, uh, whenever he became a a reliever, uh, he was terrible as a starter, high-end prospect, but uh, outside of that as a reliever, he's been a really, really good whip guy and provided the strikeouts at least one per inning. So I think he's going to get the first chance and potentially keep it.
0: Yeah, I I like it's a tough question and it's a good question by Dennis for sure, uh, but I would have to pick and i had to put any money on it my guess would be archie bradley um -hmm. one more question here from ken jaslow he has a bunch of questions about the red sox so Mm -hmm. we'll start with the first it's there's three questions we'll start with who trades for andrew benintendi and what should the Sox expect in return it really depends on when they trade benintendi and to me he does not get traded until the deadline because i don't think at this point there's anyone that really wants to pay anything For him. But if he put together a good few months and come deadline, there's a contending team that needs an outfielder or a left handed bat, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they could come knocking on the Red Sox door and maybe pay a lot more then than they certainly would now. If they were to trade him now, I think they get very little. They probably get a mid level pitching prospect and maybe a random outfielder. I don't think Mm -hmm. they get enough and they should hold on to him. Um, And again, in terms of who would trade for him, I can't really name a team because we don't know who's going to be contenders needing a left-handed outfield bat right now we'll know in July.
1: I have a few teams here and we'll kind of go through these quickly. Um, The White Sox are are on roster resource. According to that, they're starting Adam Engel because they don't want uh, Eloy Jimenez in the outfield. I could see him. Uh, going for some low-level pitching. If he's not performing, they want to take a buy low. Uh, the Marlins uh, would potentially like to inject a little bit of youth on their team. They've got Garrett Cooper potentially out there in the outfield. Uh, they might want to upgrade that a little That's bit. That's ugly, yeah. Um, and then last but not least, uh, one of the weaker outfields that I can think of, St. Louis Cardinals. I could see them taking a gamble as well. Especially now that they dumped Fowler hmm Opened up a roster spot yeah. to move guys up and down.
0: No, I like all those spots. I like the White Sox the most, uh for sure. Um they're the type of team that can afford to take a gamble on that as well. Um next question as the second part of these questions, who starts in right field against right handed pitching? I think Hunter Renfro is gonna be the right fielder regardless. Certainly versus lefties, but looking at this team who else is Would it be versus right handers um unless they make another move uh to me it's renfro in right field he's one of the better defenders they have he's got a good arm uh, i think he's perfect for that big right field in fenway
1: i agree um i think that he's definitely gonna for the first few months of the year i think he'll be that guy uh but looking a touch deeper into it as well um they do have Jaron Duran, who's been a popular steals speculation guy in draft and hold. He's got the steals ability. Uh, if he's crushing in the minor leagues, they could give him a shot. He's only he's already 24, so it's not like they need to squeeze his service time. He's he's kind of getting close to being ready. Yeah, and
0: I mean he might get his opportunity if and when they trade Ben
1: and Tandy. That might not yep. affect
0: Renfro at all. Obviously That's they true. don't want J.D. Martinez out there and Verdugo's pretty much locked in as a center fielder, it would seem. Um, and the final question, probably the most important for those in fantasy and dynasty leagues at least, how long do we need to wait for Jeter Downs? Um, to me, if he's hitting well in the minor leagues, he's up by the end of May at the latest.
1: Pretty simple uh, answer for me, the same thing. I think, uh, I think if he's hitting, they're going to reward him with an opportunity, but uh, this guy doesn't have a ton of experience at the upper levels of the minor leagues, even though he's got a lot of tools, a lot of talent, but, uh, you know, they're not in a huge rush since it's not like they're going to win a title or anything. They'll probably make him kind of prove it and earn it, bring him up after some good uh, months of, you know, a month or two of good hitting.
0: Certainly. So I wasn't sure if we were going to have the time to talk about a few lower level, uh, deals, but we do. So I want to talk about two pitchers that have kind of been there, done that, but are going to get opportunities this year. It's Chris Archer and the Rays and Alex Cobb and the Angels. So we'll start with Chris Archer. I mean, he had a tons of success his first time around with the Rays. I think it's hilarious that they traded him <laughs> for a bundle. Pittsburgh got nothing out of him at all, now he's back in Tampa. And we talked about the – way Tampa molds players the way they get the most out of their players, it honestly wouldn't surprise me. Am I banking on it? No chance. But it would not surprise me at all if Chris Archer bounced back and was like a K per nine um, and like a 3.75 ERA.
1: Yeah, Archer is a guy that uh, last year in Dynasty Leagues I've been targeting, just kind of trying to get him for a reasonable price because – He had that initial success with the two pitches. Actually, he had really uh, three really good years uh, with good strikeouts and solid ratios, and then it kind of fell apart. I think the league just kind of figured him out with those two pitches, and as his velocity and stuff disintegrated slightly as he aged, uh, it just got worse and worse and worse. Adding in the instruction of Pittsburgh, and it got even worse. But with Tampa, Archer, the kind of league where I would be into him is – a league where I can make cuts and test drive him out for a handful of weeks, see if they're going to throw an opener in front of him to get him a better chance at a win and just monitor him on my bench to see how he's doing. He's a hungry guy. He's a very bright player and he's not going to want to see his career go down in flames. So I think he's doing everything possible to get back from this thoracic outlet and don't believe in him. Like I think he's going to be a stud or anything, but the price is so cheap. I'm down to take some chances, even in draft and holds
0: and going back to that first question by richard daniels about the rays again i mean i trust them i mean not that they're paying him much but they don't spend just to spend they spend on guys who they think can be productive for them so let obviously me through, they're not gonna uh... always hit on those players but if there's a team that can do it and turn chris archer around it would be the rays or cleveland and in this in this time it's the rays
1: absolutely completely agree and and you factor in that here's their starters you know you've got glass now at the top and then you've got according to roster resource just a guess but you've got archer as the sp2 yarborough michael Walker, josh fleming and then in the minor leagues protected list you've got uh brennan mckay and brent honeywell as well as you know some other guys cooking in the minor leagues such as uh, shane mcclanahan but it's not exactly a murderer's row, Luis Patino as well. So I think yeah. that they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna use him if they can, is my point. Definitely. It
0: hurts when you lose Snell and more in one offseason. For mm-hmm. sure. Uh, you can see that. Um selfishly, I'd love to see McKay and McClanahan get a chance to be very successful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's uh, that's really more of an inside joke, and I guess for anyone in RM two, they'll they'll get it. Uh, Alex Cobb to the Angels. Always been a fairly productive pitcher, had some injury issues last year, a bit of a tough season, Um, getting out of Baltimore, going to a team in the Angels who are going to try to compete. Again, I'm not expecting much from him, but he could be serviceable in AL-only leagues Mm. or in incredibly deep leagues or in leagues where you need to stream pitchers, uh, maybe in Oakland or in Seattle or against the Tigers um, in certain spots.
1: Yeah. Uh Cobb actually outside of twenty nineteen, he's he's given some innings. It's kind of the opposite of Garrett Richards that we mentioned. He's been he's been okay. I mean, for an M L B team, this is the kind of guy that I thought it was I mean, I'm not gonna overreact and say it was an amazing trade or anything, but I mean this team has perpetually had one of the most injured rotations that I can remember in baseball since I've been a fan. So getting a guy who's going to at least, you know, have a great chance to take the ball and and give you a fighting chance at a quality start. I mean, that's great for a team that's been plagued by pitching injuries for many years now.
0: Absolutely. So before we wrap this up, bold proclamation from you, not really bold, I guess just an on the spot question. Who has a, Bigger impact on their new team, Nolan Arenado or Trevor Bauer?
1: Um.
0: Well, I'm while you're thinking a, about it, yeah, I'm gonna say Nolan Arenado, and not because I'm taking anything away from Trevor Bauer. You hit upon it; I hit upon it. The Dodgers didn't need Trevor Bauer.
1: Yeah,
0: he's he's really just icing and a cherry on top of the Sunday, Nolan Arenado is going to make a big impact in this Cardinals lineup. Um, a big time hitter that they really needed. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Dodgers just, it's just a luxury with Bauer.
1: I agree. And well, I'll hit on Bauer and then we'll come back to Nolan real quick here. But I mean, the great thing that of Bauer is that, you know, you've got guys with innings workload questions up and down the roster, even though they're uber talented, like Kershaw, potentially could could need a mini, uh, you know, stint on the IL. Bueller's yet to do a huge workload, as, as well as, you know, May and Urias, so that the fact that they were able to bring in a horse like uh, Bauer that you can just rely on to go deep, that was a big get. But like you said, he was, uh, you know, they weren't desperate for pitching. They had the best pitching staff, probably one of the best two or three in the game. So you look at with uh, St. Louis bringing in Nolan Arenado, uh, our friend Jake Book had a great point. I mean, people are focusing on Nolan's value, but this is going to boost up uh, Paul Goldschmidt's as well to have a, a huge thumper right next to him in the lineup. Exactly. That's, I mean,
0: that's as good or as an established 3-4 type of hitters as you're going to find. Not, I'm not mm-hmm. saying the best, but certainly established, um, great track records. Definitely um, a huge move for the Cardinals. Again, they should pocket that 50 million, and be very happy that they also got Arenado with that 50 million. Insane, by the way. Just absolutely fucking insane. Um, <laughs> anyways, I'm Lou Landers. That was Lucas Beery. You can listen to our show anytime on demand at our. Uh, affiliate over at baseball 365 on facebook you can also find the show at ilogic media fantasy sports blueprint and of course the sports crew radio network via itunes or spotify subscribe to our lucas baseball facebook page as well thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next time